Japan by River Cruise is made possible by the generosity of our sponsors. Tinder Japan is an English learning app that has helped hundreds of thousands of international conversation partners connect under both the pretext and the actual goal of facilitating real, genuine language exchange. And the results speak for themselves. Delighted user Takako Nakamura, who is 27 and works in an apparel shop, boasts that after just three weeks of using the app, she has already learnt over 30 ways to say no in English. This was a sponsored message from Tinder Japan. Maybe I can teach you some English and you can teach me some Japanese. Haha. <laughs> Download now. Welcome back to Season 2 of Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. On today's show, a new Ainu culture complex is struggling to draw national attention ahead of its opening in April. The good news? Struggling to gain attention in Japan is very on-brand for them. Also, Ollie's got your River Cruise recommendation. Yeah, Ollie? This recommendation uh, is a cruise on the Ohashi River, uh, which is just north of Hokkaido. And they have announced that in an effort to attract a younger, more creative customer base, they will now be accepting payment not only in yen, but also in the currency that most young creatives are most often paid in, good exposure. That's right. So you might not be able to eat or pay rent with that good opportunity, but you can trade it in for a lazy float down a scenic waterway. So um, if you'd like to take advantage of the offer, you will also be required to promote the cruise on your social media, but don't worry, it will make great content for you and it will be fun. Plus, it will provide great exposure. Also, the new rankings are out for the top dream careers for school-aged children in Japan, with YouTuber once again pulling in a top three spot. Later in the show, we'll scour the full list for River Cruise-related podcaster and then get really sad. But first, Soap Talk. Bobby, how's your week been? Uh, nothing, nothing really special. Nothing really, oh. nothing particular happened. No, no, nothing special about having the most popular tweet in the world. Yeah, I, uh, I went viral. I had my first ever viral tweet. I think it's actually, at this point, it is more viewed than any other content I have ever created. Including uh, season two, episode one of Japan by River Cruise. Believe it or not. Including, I think my most popular YouTube video ever has been up for like five years, and it's gotten close to two million views. And was that I, the one where you claimed that Epstein didn't kill himself? Uh, not that one. That one did not get as many views as I had hoped. Uh, what was your, what's your two million view uh, video about? Shiranai gai gai kokujin ni hello wo yamemasho. The uh, the one about like not assuming that somebody who doesn't look Japanese automatically speaks English. Uh, right. In five years, that has been viewed two million times, and uh, a tweet thread that I threw up last Saturday has gotten more views than that in two days. Well, um, you'll be pleased to hear that uh, that that video has done its work. Those two million people have taken the message, um, and no non-Japanese-looking person has ever had the word hello said to them. Nope, um, nope. Since I put that video up, I think uh, somebody somebody asked me like, "Do I ever get uh, recognized on the street by people who don't like me?" 
Uh, and actually, I, I might have mentioned this on the podcast before, but this is like my favorite story of getting recognized maybe on the street. Like I, I like to think, you know, I was walking down the street and an elderly Japanese woman was riding her bicycle and stopped the bicycle, got off, stopped in my path, looked me dead in the eye and went, hello, and then got back <laughs> on her bike and rode away. And it was very, it was very angry sounding hello. Yeah. And I like to think that it was because she saw that video and was like, I do not agree with this. Very upset about it, which a lot of people were. Uh, and this new viral tweet uh, has also. Bobby, if, if only your video was don't go up to, to non-Japanese looking people and give them a thousand yen. If, mm. <laughs> if only she'd gone, well, I hate that video. <laughs> I'm going to have to go and give him a thousand. Uh, yeah. So as of, as of this recording, it's got a, 2,170-some thousand views, and uh, it's creeping up on 100,000 engagements, which means times that people replied, liked, or retweeted. Uh, the hands down the most viewed tweet I've ever had, and by a little bit, the most viewed content I've ever produced. And do you remember in season one where I had that thing where I put up uh, something on, on Instagram where it was like, hey, you guys shouldn't call four-year-olds sexy? Yeah. And and the people who saw that were like, oh, I'm not sure how I feel about this. So, <laughs> Can you put us out of, your, out of our misery and tell us not about the raging bone you've had for the last four days, uh, as, as all of your notifications on your phone have come in? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not talking about four-year-olds being sexy here. Yeah. Uh, it was a weird, weird time to say that, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I knew where you were going. Um, so this one, this tweet was again uh, also about uh, about – sexuality and children um here we go strapping here listeners. we go yeah it was about yeah i've been thinking a lot about you know i've got two young daughters and i all the time i meet people who say stuff like you know when they get older you're going to be so jealous when they get a boyfriend or or some guy is going to steal them away from you one day or i meet or there are like men my age that i know who'll be like oh when they when they grow up you know let me have one as a wife and it's like, it always makes me feel very awkward and uncomfortable, and I never really know how to deal with it. And I've been thinking a lot about like why it makes me so uncomfortable and where I think that comes from. And so I started tweeting about it, and again was like, this is not a Japan problem. You know, there are men who say this kinds of kind of stuff all over the world. Um, I, I've heard people in the West say like, oh, you're going to be lonely when your daughter grows up and wants to get a boyfriend, and then last year they had that whole like T.I., the rapper T.I. went on some talk show and talked about like checking, getting his gynecologist, his daughter's gynecologist to give him updates on his daughter's hymen and whether or not it was intact. So just it, for context, yeah. for the listeners that don't know, you have two uh, daughters. I was like, you're stunningly hot. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help myself. <laughs> you're <laughs> awful. You're, you're part of the problem. You've got, uh, you've got, tw you've got twins. Uh, and they are, how old are they now? It must be five years old. Uh, coming up, they'll be five in like four or five months. Okay. Uh, four and a half. And, uh, I mean, we, we've spoken about them before and you've done YouTube videos about how, you know, people say, oh, they must be cute because they're, they're mixed race. They're Japanese mixed race. And yeah, American yeah. And blah, 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 blah. You were basically reflecting on your relationship as both a father vis-a-vis -vis, like women and also as a man 
Yeah, uh, this idea, this idea that people will come up and be like, "Oh, you guys seem so close. You're going to be so jealous when they get a boyfriend, or are you, you're going to have so much trouble when they get a boyfriend, or and the idea that some man is going to take them away from me." I think in terms of the feeling behind people who say most of that stuff, and you know, fathers who say most of that stuff, is not that there's any real sexual jealousy about their own daughters. It's more of this idea of, you know, they're getting older. You're going to lose certain parts of the relationship, and there's something lonely. There's something existentially lonely about that, and that's the feeling that it comes from. But the way they express it is so often couched in terms of jealousy. Around female love or sexuality, and also in Japan, they take it even a, a step further, where they tend to refer to kids as like the parents' little koibito, which means lover. I mean, it like, like it's like daddy's little girlfriend or mommy's little lover, and it's like it's such a, a sexualized terminology. And then there's also more... the word date as well, right? That like parents go on dates with their yeah, yeah. And again, this is not a uniquely Japanese thing, and I made this very clear. But I was like, I think that a lot of the the ways that we talk about this comes from this patriarchal idea that women are somehow men's property, and that a daughter is a woman who has value to a father, and a wife or a girlfriend is a woman who has value to a husband or a boyfriend. And when you talk about the idea that a boyfriend is going to steal. The woman who has value to the father, and he's going to be the one getting value out of that woman. You have completely left out the idea that the woman is a human being with her own, you know, her own agency.、Um, yeah, well I, well, I think there's there's two things to unpack here. The, the the first thing is this is this concept of jealousy, right? And and、yeah. people's idea that that someone else having something which you don't have. Is somehow taking something away from you, right? So, like, I think it is very core、cool, the idea of jealousy or sexual jealousy is well, I don't like the fact that this girl who's dating me is also dating another guy because that's me losing out on the opportunity to to be with her, or he's providing her something that she's not willing to give me. This idea that having someone else、uh, interact with or use or enjoy. Uh, or have a relationship with the thing that you also have a relationship、yeah. is somehow detracting from that relationship,、yeah. right? And the, the, I think the the second point about this is, and forgive me if I've misunderstood your tweets because they were written in Japanese,、um, which frankly I don't understand. Not your strongest、uh, suit. It's not the. It's not one of my skills. <laughs>、uh, it is、um, the idea that when you speak about your daughter growing up and getting married, the reason why you're sad, or, or people conflate. The idea of you're sad not because your daughter's got married to another man, but just because you're mourning the loss of her childhood. Yeah,、right? yeah, I, I think that's really natural. But I think a lot of the ways that it get it that it gets expressed tend to take it into this realm of jealousy. And also, there's a sexist aspect to it because men don't feel as conflicted about their sons having sex as they do about their daughters having sex. So there's this sexual double standard that's involved, and then there's also this language issue around it. And the reason that I, I really don't like the language aspect of it is because there are in America and in England and in Japan there are a set of fathers who do have a sexual jealousy, who check their daughters' hymens. There's somebody 
put this shit out not too long ago that it was like going around on some incel forum how this man had written this article about how having a daughter and being a father to a daughter was the ultimate cuckold because it was this woman <laughs> that you put all this energy into and then someone other man got to enjoy her, which is disgusting. It's, it's a disgusting idea and it's women as property, it's women as sexual objects. And, and so I feel like when men who don't look at women that way still fall into those tropes of using those kinds of language, you kind of give other people who might look at it that way an in to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is acceptable, this is acceptable, and it's not. Uh, so anyway, I, I tweeted about this and the initial reactions were all largely women going, yes, this, yes, this, and a lot of people relating experiences and jumping in and saying, yeah, you know, when I was younger, I remember my dad saying, uh, I'm gonna be jealous of the guy who gets to go out with you, and it really weirded me out and made me feel uncomfortable, and I have trauma around that. Or like women saying, I remember hearing my dad's friends joking and saying, when they get older, I wanna be the one who marries her. And, and I like at a young age, I registered that as very inappropriate, made me very uncomfortable. And then other fathers as well saying, you know, every time somebody says stuff like this to me about my daughter, it makes me very uncomfortable. And this guy has done a good job of articulating why. So there are literally thousands of these kinds of reactions. And then of course, a handful of dudes going, Nope, yeah, that's these not a thing. Hear about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and part of it is there's the, even though I make it very clear that A, I, it's not a Japanese issue. And B, I understand that the vast majority of fathers are not saying these things out of a place of sexual desire for their daughter. I, like I make that very clear in the tweet. And even though there's a handful of people who immediately jumped up and be like another foreigner telling Japan what to do and, and trying to, you know, push would have really offended you because you're not just another foreigner telling Japan what to do. You, you, you think of yourself as one of the main foreigners yeah, that like, tell Japanese people what to do. Thing. And then there were a bunch of, uh, of men who were like, you're just misunderstanding this. I do this all the time and it's okay. And this is why it's okay because I don't look at my daughter that way. And I'm like, yeah, I acknowledge that. And if it doesn't apply to you, it doesn't apply to you and that's okay. But when you go, I'm very angry because this doesn't apply to me, it kind of makes it seem like it applies to you. <laughs> Shut up. Like, Shut up. Way to identify yourself. Yeah. I'm very angry that you've, that you've identified this topic and I'm not happy yeah. to have it written out in words that have caused me some degree of self-reflection. Yeah. Stop it. It seems like it struck a chord somehow. I want to ask you a question. Yeah. How do you think your daughters will react when they grow up and inevitably read this tweet? Uh, you know, I, I don't think tweets are going to be that big of a thing. Um, I don't think people are going to go back and look through those kinds of things. But I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope that that I always have kind of like an ability to converse openly with them. I've been I've been like, I'm trying very hard to raise woke kids and to raise, you know, kids who can stand up for themselves and uh, are inclusive and are non-discriminatory and are open-minded. Um, and I actually, I've been trying to figure out a way to formulate a joke about the idea that, you know, my kids are pretty culturally savvy, you know, like they've already gotten very sick of this anti-male pro-queer agenda that I am trying to push on them. 
<laughs> and I really like I found myself like I very much do that. Like the other day they were playing with their toys. They each had a teddy bear that was like their their kid and they were being the mom to the teddy bear and they wanted the teddy bears to get married and they started arguing because they both wanted to have the girl teddy bear and they didn't like one of them had to play the boy so the boy could marry the girl and i literally ran down from upstairs after what if what if your two daughters grow up to be like these men these reply guys these japanese reply uh, guys like they somehow somehow have this attitude that like foreigners suck well i mean kids get they, they grow up in reaction to their parents and so a lot of times they will lean towards opposing views and diametrically opposed uh belief systems so i i can't wait for them to get a youtube channel and absolutely annihilate you uh, should we talk about the news yeah so uh speaking of cultural issues uh they are opening up a new Ainu Cultural Center. They're calling it an Ainu Culture Complex in never Hokkaido. Heard of, never heard of the Ainu. Don't know what you're talking about. So the Ainu are uh, one of Japan's indigenous peoples. They, they are... The... not Strictly speaking, not possible, Bobby. There is only one ethnicity uh, native to Japan. I think you've made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Um, you now, and uh, listeners, the, I'm uh, now playing the yes, I'm now playing the role um, of the the devil's advocate. So I've been employed to advocate the devil's position. Um, <laughs> and what the devil and now the the devil is actually doesn't need that many advocates because he's he's managed to permeate quite a lot of Japanese thinking, um, including the Olympic Committee in Japan, um, which is to basically say that uh, Japan is one um, one ethnic nation, uh, ignoring the fact that there are multiple other um, ethnicities which are. Um, open inverted commas native uh, to japan uh, the ainu being the biggest of them did the olympic committee say that well yes was well, i think oh, i i probably should have got this story up to yeah no it, but the olympics so i did pull this spoke... story up uh it was not a spokesperson for the olympics it was taro aso he's the finance minister oh was it yeah yeah i, th I thought he done did some olympic related event no i don't think it was olympic related oh fine all right well well in a way Bobby, isn't everything Olympic related? I mean, I mean, it is. And actually, you might be right. Uh, oh, here we go. Let me just. Uh, by the way, I'm, uh, um, Bobby's saying I might be right about quoting this finance minister, not right about the fact that Japan has just one uh, native indigenous <laughs> indigenous population. Yeah, no, this uh, was a, this was a, in a speech during a ceremony at the new Kyushu National Museum. Um, so is that so, open now? Uh, yeah. Oh. And he so uh, finance minister. Former prime minister and uh, current financial minister. No, sorry. Internal affairs and communications minister uh, said that Japan has one nation, one civilization, one language, one culture, and one race, and that there's no other nation that has such characteristics. Isn't that a line from a Queen song? <laughs> for, for listeners, I'm sure most of our listeners do know what I know are, but for the one or two that don't, um, they are an, they are a, an ethnicity which is not Japanese, which is not a Japanese ethnicity, but they are natively Japanese people, right? They're born well, in Japan. I mean, Japan. they're Japan. They're they're indigenous to Japan. So, I mean, by Japan's public definition of what is Japanese, which tends to lean towards a homogenous race, which really is not on so many levels. Um, they're not 
considered a Japanese ethnicity because there's only one, but they are indigenous people to Japan. Right. And, and they're, they're mainly what you um, just said would be akin to saying that like Native Americans are not ethnically American. Right. OK. Yeah. Maybe I was over. over yeah. Um, but they, you know, mainly and, and like it's it's again, you shouldn't really say how they look, but, you know, different countries do have a look. They that they look kind of closer to how Eastern Russians look or Mongolians, like some of those kind of facial features Um in that, like you, you can look at a, at, someone, at an Ainu person and like see some similarities between other. I'm, t- I'm tiptoeing around. Not yeah, yeah. I'm gonna let you do this on your own. I don't <laughs> yeah, necessarily I agree. Um, I mean, yeah. So, so they're uh, a northern. They come from a northern area that's very cold, and so I think a lot of people compare them to like Inuit or Mongolian or. Uh, or Eastern Russian, right? Like you were saying. Yeah, and, and that and that does make sense, right? Because when you're from a, a, a more cold part of the world, generally, like genetically, you will develop slightly different, like facial features, different fat content. Like they do, like they. It's not wrong to say in general they look different, or rather, they don't. They all look. Not, nor do they all look the same. Careful now, Ollie. Yeah. <laughs> this is fun. This is um, fun. They, uh, I was, I'm actually writing a new bit of stand-up, and I'm, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. About how someone called me out for saying that white people can't dance, and I, and because they, they said that's racist. I was like, well, first it's I'm white, so it should be fine. Yeah. But also, like sometimes a statement can be true, but also like a racist thing to say. Yeah. Right. Like, like that, 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 that. You know. So you can't defend something racist by just saying, oh, but it's true. Um. Because sometimes it's the it's the racism that's made it true. But I have a theory, which is if you can reverse the statement and that's also true, then it's cool. So, like, if I go, everyone else apart from white people are really good at dancing. People kind of people kind of believe that it's like Latin Americans. They just they'll run for a checklist in their head. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Fair enough. Um, But like, say, for example, black people love fried chicken as a statement. Right. That is true. Right. Yeah, but you shouldn't say it because the opposite, which is no other people love fried chicken, is bollocks. Because everyone loves fried chicken, so that's why that's why you can't say it. Um, so uh, I'm developing this theory. Yeah. Uh, I I researched the Ainu because uh, I I wrote a thesis on Japanese intellectual property law, which is a very intelligent thing to do. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems in intellectual property law is you need to look at the consumer of a product or service um, in many instances of well, looking at infringement, looking at, uh, at the scope of rights, basically the person for whom the trademark is intended, what do they see when they read that mark, right? And yeah. there's a couple of famous cases in Japan where, for example, some halal meat um, had a, an Arabic logo and a Japanese court was very lazy and said, well, you know, Japanese people can't read Arabic, so it's just a squiggle. It doesn't mean anything. Whereas actually the target consumer for this halal product yeah. would have been someone who probably does read enough Arabic to, to understand. And like I knew occasionally came up as like, what if there was a trademark? Was, you know, what if there was a trademark for the Ainu people? Yeah. Um, and generally kind of the, the academic Japan's approach to this is, eh, don't, worry, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Japan's traditional approach to the Ainu in general is to not pay attention and to ignore the fact that they are, you know, at this point, just like people in Okinawa, just like a lot of people from Korea, 
this is where anybody who uh, who thinks that I should not talk about this stuff in order to keep my career in the entertainment industry in Japan should stop listening. But there's so much genetic mixing that like it's like there's no such thing as white people. Like there's no such thing as this pure ethnic Japanese that people think that there is. And so uh, there is a distinct Ainu culture. There is an Ainu history. Uh, it gets largely ignored. It gets treated as not Japanese or just kind of not discussed, not brought up. And so there's this new Ainu culture complex that they're opening in Hokkaido in Shirawi, uh, Shirawi in April 20, on April 24th. And they've been trying to publicize it ahead of it and it's not going well. Um, I think they've been doing surveys to see like who is aware of it. Uh, and in inside Hokkaido, it's like 53.6% of the people responding to the surveys are aware that this is a thing that's going to be opening. And outside of Hokkaido, uh, those figures are only just 6.2%. So the Hokkaido figure has improved by 18.2 points since they started promoting. But outside of Hokkaido, it's only risen by one point. So their promotion is either falling on deaf ears or not being affected. What are they What are they actually promoting? Like, what, are, what is in this center? Because, you know, I can't help but think if, if the Ainu were doing something which the rest of the Japanese yeah. population was properly into, they might pay more attention than, I don't know, whatever it is I'm expecting, which is dancing or some native yeah, textiles. I mean, traditional dance, Ainu craft work. There we go. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's where they're going wrong. Yeah. That's where they're going wrong. No, but I mean... Have well, Bobby, I've got some ideas. I think I can fix this. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been to the robot show in um, Shinjuku in, in Tokyo? I have not. Well, let me tell you, it's you pay, a, I think it's like $100 or something crazy. Um, and uh, women, dance, very attractive women dancers dance around robots. Um, and they sell out basically every day. Gambling, pachinko parlors, they're quite popular. Yeah. I'm just thinking, if only this center offered something that the Japanese people actually wanted, then maybe they wouldn't have such a hard time. Well, one thing that they are saying is that um, that people are being dissuaded because the entrance fees look like they're going to be too high. Like most museums charge like like 500 yen to 600 yen. And um, admission to the Ainu Center is supposed to be a, over a sen yen, sen nihaku yen, so like $12 versus, so like double or more than double what they charge at other museums. I've kind of got a theory about museums, yeah. which is because like, I, I, I tour quite a lot, right? And often when you go to a city, how do you spend the day? Well, you spend the day in the, in the local museum. And museums normally have like three good things, right? I don't think I've ever been to a, to a museum, including the British Museum, which has like all the best treasures that we could we could pilfer yeah. while, while we still got a chance. Um, there's like three things which are like really worth having a good look at. Uh, and all the rest is there to make up the museum, right? Oh, that is yeah, to yeah. say, w without the rest of it, those three things are not part of a, of a museum. They're in a warehouse. Yeah. Um, and, and what so museums don't do... you've got three things that are the draw, and then everything else is just there to excuse the that, establishing a but they're not. They're not even the draw. That's the problem. You don't even know what the three good things are. So it's a, it's a lottery. You have to go around the whole museum to work it out. I mean, sometimes you can guess. So, for example, the history of Hong Kong Museum, which in many respects is like fascinating, particularly as a as a British person, um, which is like, oh, we did that, oh, and that, and wow, we 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 were good at flogging opium yeah. uh, with guns. That starts with um, displays of rock. 
that is to say the rock from which Hong Kong is formed, and like you can touch the like the the rock which the yeah. island's made up of, and you can't help but think that that was obviously not how the museum started, right? They started by going, let's tell the story of Hong Kong. Yeah, and they were like, "How far? How far modern do we go?" Well, maybe we go up to the handover um, in '97. How far back do we go? Well, well when the <laughs> <laughs> exactly, like, like, the, the, I mean, literally, the, the the very very first thing you see is an image of the Big Bang, and it's like that, yeah. that is completely out of scope. Um, well, uh, so, so like, without having gone to the museum, and frankly, with those prices, well, so, nowhere I will be. Yeah, uh, you say that you, you expect that there will be like three things of value. This one, I guess they're planning to exhibit over 700 artifacts. So it might take you a little while to sift through. And also, I think like like your ideas for how to attract people are probably better. I mean, they're terrible, but they're probably better than what they're actually doing. Because I found like Japan is pretty bad at advertising and attracting people this is kind of a kind of a, a tangent but uh when i used to work for the open top bus they well, do they, don't they, do tangents on this no, show general, sorry i'm gonna try to avoid it i mean when i used to work for the uh, the open top bus uh i was doing it all in japanese and one day they said they wanted to do um an english tour for travelers in fukuoka and so they were started to advertise to try to get tourists to come ride the open top bus but they were only doing this for one day. It was only available for one day. And when I started asking about what they were doing to advertise, they were going out to flyer at the airport and at local hotels and hostels. Great. When are you going to be doing that? Well, we've picked out one day that we're going to go do that two weeks before the date of the bus trip. <laughs> and it's like, what are you? Wait, who do you think? What tourists do you think are still going to be here in two weeks that are going to get those flyers? To think they thought that value, maybe maybe they didn't understand quite the value proposition that you offered. Because maybe people, people, well, why don't we just spend a long weekend in Kyushu before we go out to Tokyo? Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> there, is an op- there is an open top bus tour. What's an open top bus? Well, it's like a, it's like a river cruise, but on land. But so this is, I think the funny thing is that this Ainu Culture Center, uh, they're, they're having a disappointing result so far with their advertising and their promotion, right? So it says here that the governor is pinning his hopes on advertising related to the annual Sapporo Snow Festival that began on Friday. The event attracts over 2 million visitors, but it is unclear whether it will help lure visitors to the Ainu Center. Sources familiar with the situation said. So I think it won't do a great job considering that it began on Friday and ends very soon and the Ainu Center doesn't open until April. <laughs> same, same, same thing again. So, yeah. so he's spinning <laughs> his hopes on people going all the way to Hokkaido for the snow festival, seeing a flyer for <laughs> the Ainu attraction. And going, Let's come back for that in two months. It, it, this, this kind of... Um kind of short-termist approach and reactionary approach to advertising reminds me of that scene from the Simpsons where Homer Simpson is looking at a a bar chart of pumpkin sales and he says well there seems to be a spike here in October but I reckon we're going to do pretty well in January (laughs) 
Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please be sure to leave a review. Um, I should point out we'd like a positive review um, because I remember doing a show in Edinburgh once, Bobby, and I said to the audience, please leave a review of the show. Um, failed to mention that I wanted a positive review uh, and they took my request at face value. Um, yeah. So please, if you're minded to leave a review, leave one, um, which is four or five stars. Also, messages, questions, uh, topic suggestions, anything. Uh, you can find our uh, message box at japanbyrivercruise.com. I'm on Twitter at Bobby Judo or Instagram at Bobby Judo. Uh, I put up my uh, Fukuoka versus Tokyo roast battle and it's very, very funny. So check it out.